Yeah, well, I appreciate you you reaching out and, and wanting to hop on. Is there somewhere you wanted to start with it? I feel like there's a lot of ground to cover for the last the last decade. <laughs> I was hoping you would you would know the answer to that because it's something that um I sort of constantly struggle with. I guess is people are like, oh, so tell me about Canada or tell me about this, and I'm like, I these things are they're not just like a two week trip, you know, they're they're significant chunks of time in my life, and I cover so much ground in them that to narrow in on one particular aspect is so hard. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, yeah. why don't you start with? Uh, you said you were obviously you're passionate about the environment, and you said you were you started out down the path when you were taking groups tour guiding. Yeah, I guess uh, my path to where I am now started completely by accident. Um, mm -hmm. So today, I, I guess I'm a freelancer. I, I work across outdoor education, guiding, yoga. I do a bit of graphic design work. Uh, and I'm also in school again. And it all kind of just sort of happened. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, totally by accident because when I finished high school, I had uh, desires to become an architect and I knew that I wasn't going to quite make the grades to get into university. So I booked a gap year uh, and I went over to the UK and started working in outdoor education, uh, very much from the point of a, uh, a one year kind of adventure to do some fun sports, try some new things and then kind of realize that it was uh a lot deeper and a lot cooler than um i'd originally anticipated um for sure both from the aspect of what i was able to teach to the people i was working with and what yeah. i was able to make my quality of life and the way i was living um communally and in the outdoors and everything around that um yeah yeah i did kind of um I did go back to architecture school and I did attempt to do that a bit. And I still dabble with the, the design stuff here and there, but uh, the focus these days is very much on, um, yeah, taking groups into the outdoors and seeing how, I guess, healing and uh, how changing it can be for individuals who really spend a lot of time in cities these days. Yeah. Yeah. It's this. Yeah. I know exactly. There's so many ways I want to, talk to you about this or come at this from different angles because I've had somewhat of a, a similar experience and yeah I know exactly what you mean there's so much to there's no like rhyme or reason to life and there's no one way to do everything and I had, I had a similar experience like I did a bit of worked at like an outdoor education job when I left high school actually as well and then like a, a weird example of something that I've done, which I find really hard to explain to people, is uh, maybe tree planting, which I did uh, mm -hmm. a couple summers ago. And I actually did a podcast with a friend of mine on that. But just getting that interaction and being able to work out in nature. Um, yeah, you're not you're not going to become a millionaire or something like this. And but there's <laughs> this. You, do you know what I mean? The quality of life you get is so much more than 
than the nine to five yeah, or, or the I desk job. Or... Tree planting overlaps a lot with that and the fact that, yes, you're working outdoors and maybe it's, uh, and there is a lot of benefits, obviously, like being out outside rather than sitting at a desk with a screen, mm-hmm. but it also overlaps in the way that you, you're living in camp. You're living in a community of people who are doing the same thing as you and you're not necessarily working with them directly throughout the day. So you don't kind of, I guess, get sick of each other in the work environment. You get to come back together in your free time and, and be able to socialize and be able to have that community, which really like mm-hmm. between social media and just like the way our communities and houses are designed these days, like unless you're you're in uh, a space like that or an environment like that, you're really getting deprived of, you know, things that, humans evolved with yeah Uh, and it's kind of crazy that we've ended up where we have now yeah i think that's there's a lot to be said about the quotation marks uh small town vibe or the the village vibe i I don't know if you've had that experience but when you live in a small village or a small town with a where you know people on your way home from work or you wave at the the lollipop lady or you see the the crossing guy man or the postman or and what you're saying about um, living in weird communities now, I think we're losing that um, that human interaction a little bit more with obviously the size of the cities we live in and stuff. And now with COVID, you know, you've got to mask up and you spend less time outdoors. And I don't know, hopefully like post-COVID world, people will start wanting to go back to that a bit more where the community is really important and the, the small town vibe is, is still alive. Yeah, I I totally agree with with what you say what you're saying there because I really think that those kind of interactions are a choice though I um mm-hmm. I think you know it, it's it's your decision to have a chat with the lady who makes your coffee each morning or it's your decision to you know interact with these people who you see on the regular basis um, and to have those connections and you can have those connections in a city as well. A bit, bit of a lesser extent, but it's very much it comes from the individual choosing that. Yeah. Um, and I think especially with the like millennial and post-millennial generation who are growing up uh, in their phones and in environments not conducive to those kind of interactions, uh, I can see definitely like a shift that's happening from from people who used to have those interactions more and more to these young people coming through who are too anxious to to say hello to a stranger. Uh, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Do you do you remember, do you know that um, cereal brand Nutrigrain? Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> yeah. Do you do you remember the slogan they had and it was like you get out what you put in. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly sometimes think about that when I think about things with like if I'm doing a workout or something if I only do 10 push-ups I get the result for 10 push-ups if I do 20 push-ups I get 20 but social interactions is is one that I think about too and I I sometimes say that to myself like you only get out what you put in so if I I know what you're saying about you have to make the conscious effort the coffee lady or whoever is serving you your morning coffee has probably 200 people that she sees every morning and she's probably so busy or he's the barista whoever it is is busy making coffees for everyone so it can be hard for them to to find time for you so you've got to make that time too if that makes sense like i I know what you're saying yeah yeah it's definitely got to go both ways and and 
Yeah, but I think the more people that make those decisions, the more we get collaboration and happiness within our community, the less we end up with the the trolls of the social media world. (laughs) Yeah. So with your guiding, do you find that, um, are you still interacting with sort of younger generation kids? Because you were saying before we kicked off the podcast that you would take kids that were like 15 to 17 in in the outdoors. So the nature of my work is, is freelance. So I have like had many different jobs over the last 10 years. Uh, but the majority of the, the age groups, I guess that I've primarily worked with is sort of the kind of 14 to 18 year old range. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's incredible even just over the last 10 years, the difference in the, in the people yeah. that I'm getting through just as like the, the style of parenting or whatever and how that's changing um, over the last decades. Pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. 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 I find it can be, it can be really refreshing working around kids but it can also be really draining because kids have problems that as an adult you've already sort of come to t- like emotional roller coasters and they've they've still got those issues going on that you've already yeah like come to grips with and moved on with but also being around kids they're still super excited and hyped up to see things and and oh look at this mountain oh this is so funny oh look it's snowing oh now it's sunny oh let's do this let's do that like so I don't know, being a guide, do you find that um, you get a bit exhausted of the kids by the end of the trips you do? Tell me a little bit about one of the trips you do, actually. Yeah, I guess it it comes back to that whole, like, you get out what you put in kind of deal. Um, So since I've been living in BC, um, I've been more, I guess, back in the mountain expedition world. Uh, So typically I would take groups... um, out basically like yeah multi-day hiking for anything from sort of five around the five day mark sometimes longer sometimes less um and yeah sometimes they're super excited by it and sometimes they're not and it's it's incredible the power of of the mindset and the difference I can get with them once I bring their awareness to that mindset from the like start of a trip to the end of the trip can be pretty profound. So if they're, you know, on day one, all they're thinking about is how heavy their pack is and that it's a little bit rainy. Uh, they're sending, they're setting themselves up for failure. Whereas if you can get them, you know, really seeing the nature that they're in, seeing the community that they're in with their friends and how they can support each other through a really, really cool experience. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's incredible how much that can give you physical strength to be able to climb a mountain when maybe that's not something you do on the regular on a regular basis. Uh, the the power of the mind is really really fascinating and it's so easy to to change. I guess it's, that's really that's not the right statement. The mind can be incredibly hard to change, but once you have the awareness, uh, that's the first step on the way to being able to okay, like how, how can I use my mind to create that uh, extra strength, that extra positivity, my own reflection and the people around me? Uh, if you're that, if you're the negative person in the group, like you will get that direct feedback from the people that you're in the bush with for a week. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they'll choose not to be helping you. They'll choose not to support you. You'll get pretty direct feedback in a way that if you're that same type of person in a city, you might not necessarily notice. Yeah. And um, so when you're... When you're with these 
uh, kids or clients, uh, are you camping and are you carrying your own food? Or do you... Yeah. Oh, it's, it's all like, okay, perfect. Yeah, see, that's a really big test because I've done some hikes before where I've had the luxury of not having to carry my own food. And then I've done other hikes where you've got to carry everything. So your own food, w- water purification, uh, band-aids, blister kits, the whole, <laughs> the whole shebang. And it does definitely make, make a difference. I've done both as well. Uh, I think there's definitely an innate, an innate sense of satisfaction from being completely self-sufficient with the group. Totally. Um, one of the things I've done for a few years now, and it's definitely obviously dried up with COVID, is um, international programming. So being able to take these students in the 14 to 18 range um, to developing countries uh, and generally when we're there, we do do some kind of trek, which involves having assistance with our backpacks and, and food. But I think the additional aspect of the cultural immersion can be enough of a challenge in its own uh, that you don't necessarily need to be carrying your bags on those particular trips. Yeah. Um, but I actually find the traveling trips to be the what's the phrase um i've seen the best results from those over even just like backpacking trips and trips where people are in their own country um i think the the kind of radical shift to everything you know other than the people that you're with uh and for a longer period of time uh can make you really really appreciate what you have in your hometown yeah uh, which is incredible um the so the trips that i've done i've guided groups to like a few different countries in southeast asia i've been to peru a couple times um and they basically what i would do is turn up at the airport get anywhere depending on the size of my group uh, between you know, maybe up to 20 grand out of the travel acts, <laughs> uh, and then go, go overseas with these teenagers and basically be like, okay, guys, where are we staying tonight? And they don't have phones with them and they don't have any kind of connection back home. They might have a couple of lonely planet guides with them. Uh, but basically they have to figure it out and learn how to become a backpacker at quite a young age uh, and learn how to, you know, use the budget and learn how to travel with their friends and make sure the whole group's being included in the plans. And to do that for, you know, a month is some incredible leadership that comes out of that. Yeah, definitely. That's the, I've traveled solo and I've traveled with friends and it's, you know the saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I, d- I definitely think it's way easier to travel alone sometimes. I love traveling with friends, but if you if you want to, you know, be completely carefree and easygoing, then alone it's so easy. But in a group, you've got to make, make sure everyone's happy, make sure everyone's okay with the times, the schedule, everyone wants to do the same thing, eat at the same places, and that's awesome. That's really... I can imagine that would be a really big, um, big learning curve for these kids. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think again, that ties straight back into like, even if you're just choosing to travel with your friends, 
you get immediate feedback on who you are as a person by traveling with people who are who like in that small kind of environment you get to see okay am i someone people want to travel with what what about me is annoying people mm. what about me is pleasing people like what what am i giving of myself to make this trip amazing what am i what am i maybe not giving enough of mm. um and it can yeah and if people are open to that awareness and open to to seeing themselves in that light um yeah, there's a lot of really cool space to continue, you know, along that growth mindset and along a, a really nice trajectory to becoming a very well-rounded person. Totally. It sounds maybe a bit, a bit stupid, but I almost feel like if you took some of the world's leaders, if, if, if this is completely not possible, but just let's pretend for a sec. If you could get all the world's leaders to go and do a seven-day hike together where they had no phones and no contact with the outside world and they had to carry all their food in their own bags, they'd probably find so much more common ground and come together than they would over all the squabbling. And I don't know, I just tend to find that in those experiences where things get, where you strip everything back to the basics and things... It just has to be one foot in front of the other to get to where you're camping tonight. And all you've really got to worry about is making sure you've packed your bag properly in the morning and then you just set off from A and arrive at B. I don't know. I feel like those kind of experiences are really good for making people grow and and also come together as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I fully, I fully agree. And um, mm. yeah, you can only really come together once you've learnt more about yourself, I guess. And I think that's um, something that I really love about the outdoors is that I guess a lot of the time now people aren't spending much time with themselves. They don't know the difference between solitude and boredom. They don't know the difference as far as like how, how to spend time with themselves being mm constantly distracted like our attention spans are incredibly short now like distracted mm -hmm. by everything and anything all the time and so if you don't know how to be with yourself and you don't know yourself like how can you i guess show love to yourself and then if you don't know how to be with yourself how can you expect others to be with you and mm -hmm. expect others to show love towards you as well uh so having that time to be so self-sufficient on your own skill set on your own reliability and like trust that you know what to do to keep yourself alive for however long you're choosing to be out there mm -hmm. um yeah it, it's one step to coming together as a community and being able to give those same qualities to other people yeah do you feel like with uh i guess it's a hard question because no one has a crystal ball but do you feel like after covid things will things will start to pick up again are you seeing a bit of interest for for these kind of trips oh yeah definitely uh i think there is there is nothing more opposite to covid than going and <laughs> spending a week in the mountains with <laughs> with people in very what ends up being very close close proximity uh you know we've all been stripped of community of you know even just the ability to sit around a campfire together and share stories and laugh and smile mm -hmm. you know it's we literally evolved doing those kind of things and and it's be our like fundamental human human traits have been taken away from us 
I don't think it'll take much for everyone to uh, snap back into it, especially in, you know, in British Columbia. It's quite a big part of our culture. Oh, totally. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the, but the countries that maybe weren't as, or the areas that aren't as aware of it, I think are definitely going to begin to, to realize the importance of it. Yeah. Um, I, I, sorry? No, you go, you go. I was recently uh, speaking with someone about the term forest bathing, and it's not something I'm necessarily, um, I guess, too connected to. I find it a little bit too hippy-dippy for me, but it's a a phrase that came out of Japan, and I think maybe in its original Japanese it probably didn't sound quite as, as hippy, but it's about just like the the healing benefits of being surrounded by and immersed in a natural environment uh, and what it can do for you, which for some reason in English translates to forest bathing. But <laughs> I think the people who are in the cities or are in, you know, in cities in Japan that are fully aware of how, how important it is to get outside and do these kind of things, um, I think there'll be no shortage of that. Yeah, I guess 2022. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely it I feel like the outdoor sports scene is just forever evolving and people are forever learning to do more and try more. Like there's always new sports and new ways to enjoy the outdoors. Slacklining was not a thing, you know, 5 years ago. Now there's <clears throat> people, there's like pro rock climbers that Yes, it was. <laughs> oh, was it? Okay, maybe I'm just not in the BC like yeah. <laughs> But I guess that's, that's okay. something that wasn't <laughs> fair enough. I guess the, there's sports that are just sort of becoming more popular and like forest bathing, for example, I'm sure it's been in Japan for a long time, but as those kind of ideas start to permeate more, maybe people will get more opportunities because if 10 other things haven't caught their interest, there's always one more thing that could p- potentially pull them out to the outdoors. Totally. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And I think like a lot of the groups that I work with, um, when I'm working for schools, they, uh, they're city kids and I potentially have their one week where they're out in the forest for a while, depending on what we're doing. And I, I find it super important in the outdoor education community to be um, to create that really positive experience the first time, because it can really make or break, um, whether they choose to pursue things in the outdoors again. And I think the kind of secondary step to that is how, um, if we're going to be tackling anything to do with, you know, climate change and sustainability at the moment, people need to have a connection to nature to be able to want to make decisions that are pro-nature. If you're someone who had one bad experience in the outdoors, you're not going to kind of be thinking towards a wanting to spend more time out there or b having it at the forefront of your mind that you don't want to hurt it in any kind of way uh so i think it, it like you we're in a really powerful position as outdoor educators uh, and guides to be able to create those those positive connections that can yeah really stem a lot further than that one experience yeah for sure and you said that you'd also worked at the green school in bali what what actually is that? <laughs> well, is that... there's a little plug for them. Um, oh, I don't know. Was that... <laughs> is that guiding as well or? 
Sorry, what was that? Is that guiding as well, or? Uh, I was working in the uh, outdoor education centre that was just off the kind of side of Green School, and I okay. they're still running, uh, and it was called Green Camp, but it's you know one in the same campus. Uh, it's a really incredible international school that runs in Bali. Um, and has a significant proportion of its students on 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 scholarship to the school as well. So it, it caters to both the international community uh, and expats as well as the local Balinese. And it's yeah, it's a school that's based around yeah sustainability and permaculture principles and just really like alternative methods for for education and yeah uh it's had a lot of of growth and change in the time that since i've stepped away from being there um they were still deciding on like which which path to go down for their graduating students and what their their path into tertiary education would look like whether they wanted to Mm -hmm. um conform to a certain curriculum of a particular continent or if um yeah or if they would kind of look at alternative paths but basically they were always speaking from a position of we'd love our students to become you know you know to spend their time giving back to communities or going and becoming entrepreneurs in remote areas of the world and creating positive change uh, and looking at what their graduates were doing from that kind of perspective as opposed to from from what their, you know, what percentage of their students made it into a particular university, which is pretty, pretty crazy, pretty, yeah, pretty sweet. I'd have to check in on how they're doing these days, though. Yeah, there definitely seems to, even in the last few years I've travelled, there, there seems to be a growing interest in, in definitely in permaculture and and that kind of green thumb attitude that, uh, millennials or even people in their 20s 30s 40s are having to people are definitely starting to show more an interest in oh where does my food come from how do i grow it myself what's the most organic way to grow it how do you how do you keep soil healthy what are some plants i can grow year round or seasonally and i feel like i don't know it's just it's good to see that people are starting to take much more of an interest in 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 yeah where their food comes from and and also, oh, totally. also their own Look health the as well. The the vegan movement over the last ten years, like yeah. the amount of people who are opting for even just you know being partially or you know reducing the intake of animal animal products, people are just very much more aware and more willing to act on mm-hmm. how on their ethics and on their yeah and how they're interacting with the world. And I guess maybe that's one of the benefits of social media i've spoken a lot about how maybe it's not as positive but um i think things like that um for example someone who's from a family that eats a lot of meat and or or dairy or whatever um and they're thinking about and starting to make some connections between you know what they're putting in their mouth and what you know is is ethical um having the opportunity for online communities that maybe you're not directly involved with can create space for that. So share the knowledge there's always and... pros and cons to the story, but there's, yeah. No, I get you. <laughs> no, that's all right. It's, um, I was going to say, I think that, um, industries, are 
are actually getting better at responding to that as well. Like an uh, example would be uh, back in Australia, the two sort of big supermarket chains, Coles and Woolworths, and everyone loves to hate on Coles and Woolworths because they're the big guy. <clears throat> and I, I'm, I'm all for shopping local as well. But to all, to all credit to Coles and Woolworths, if, if the, like with the vegan movement or the organic movement, or if people are starting to shop more for, for certain things, they really do go out of their way to include that um, more in the, like on the shelf span. So you can see now that there's way more health foods or there's, there's, it's, it's much more accommodating for vegans or for vegetarians. And they're sort of trying to respond. It could be from a financial point of view as the market as the market changes but i think it's good to also see that there's a growing um corporate conscience as well and i I like that and you can we could also go into outdoor brands you know patagonia that has a Mm. return and fixed policy arcteryx all these other brands that um yeah okay at the end of the day if you're buying a new jacket it's it's still a new jacket but there's there are there are ways to sort of offset how much impact you're having and I like to see that as well and I don't yeah. know it's I, I always like to have optimism around the way things are moving with it whether it be kids getting outdoors or people uh trying forest bathing or whatever you can you know <laughs> yeah. yeah and I think they're all connected right like the more time you spend outdoors the more time you're willing or the more interested you'd be in purchasing at a place like Patagonia or the reverse the more you go and you decide that you like Patagonia you're like okay why why am I interested in these and oh Patagonia is a really ethical company and they really sell a lot of outdoor gear I wonder why the outdoors is so interesting and I think it can go kind of in both both directions and yeah the corporate conscience it's definitely being pressured by the the growing uh, population of people interested but it's great to see um, the response and how much easier it is to start making ethical choices. And then, and then the more that we continue to do that, the more um, those markets are just going to keep growing for us. So it's, it's one of those things that like on a daily basis, I look at, you know, every dollar that you spend is, is a vote for the world that you want to live in uh, every single dollar. So that's, you know, how much fuel you put in your car. It's how much, um, you know, oh, I just want to have McDonald's this morning. Oh, you know, it's just once, but it's like every single dollar you, you have is a vote and that's you just really, got to make sure you're putting your votes where you want them. That's a really cool way of looking at it. I've never actually thought about it like that, but it's good. Yeah, yeah. it's good. <laughs> what's, what's the longest trip you've done with a group of kids? Like how long, <laughs> how long out hiking? What's the longest you've done? Just hiking uh, was 14 days for me. <laughs> That's solid. Was that including all, all the food? No. So that particular company, we did have food drops along the way. Yeah. Um, and they, they weren't a company that provided uh, dehydrated food. Yeah. So it would have been very challenging to, oh, to not have that. I run uh, hot too. I have done with all the food on my back. Yeah. I think it's about seven. Yeah. And it's all it's always dehydrated. You're never hiking with cans or anything like totally. that. Totally. So. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was gonna say I run pretty hot and I tend to burn a lot of energy when I hike. So I for a fourteen day hike I'd need a pack mule or something. <laughs> I'd need a cam- <laughs> I need to bring a camel with me. Yeah. Oh that's and you awesome. Need to know 
where to get water and how to how to filter your water and yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of other considerations as well yeah me and my buddies when we'll maybe around let me think here 11 to probably 13 we all just went through a really intense bear grills phase we thought bear grills was just the coolest dude on the planet and we all we all got like little bear grills pocket knives and we would go up behind the bush and try and i i, th- I think i got a bear grills book for it was either my birthday or for christmas and it was like a bear grills survival out like bush book thing and it would would tell you how to make huts and like get bark off trees and make rope from things and we were just so into it we were loving it we would go up there for I don't know, probably the whole weekend, all of a Saturday and then all of a Sunday and just build huts and do the most weirdest stuff, <laughs> the weirdest stuff and like, you know, pull up the rocks that's and look awesome, at them. Though. That's not, that's not weird. That's, mm. that's creativity, right? That's what your youth mm. should be. Like what, what, what makes that any weirder than, you know, sitting down and playing a video game? Oh no, <laughs> It no. does really, but it, yeah, it's, I think there's so much value in that and you probably yeah. learnt so much and you probably got injured probably got dirty and yeah so many like awesome attributes to yeah. going through things like that, especially if your friends are all into it as well oh yeah it was an absolute blast i think as you get older though it can kind of almost be a bit harder to have that level of enthusiasm um mm-hmm. towards things so so what we were saying before about um you know how much food you got to bring and teaching kids where to find water and stuff not, I'm not saying adults tend to think, oh, I already know everything. Adults are still super willing to learn as well, but there's something really unique about that stage with with young people where they are so enthusiastic and so willing to learn and they just get so into the most... Um, <laughs> just go, go down the most random tangents, you know, like... Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, it is. And uh, that just that brings me back to... Um, summer a couple of years ago I was um hiking with a couple of very young people I think the young boy was maybe three years old oh wow that's uh, super young and his and his sister was five and we were walking along this this it was a really short hiking trail uh I was working at a resort at the time and their parents were off doing something else for the morning so I was looking after them mm-hmm. and um they were kind of pulling the, oh, we've already been down here and this, this is a little bit boring or whatever. And then I, you just have to kind of turn it on. It only takes one person to be enthusiastic. Right. And so I'd be like, Whoa, have you seen this? And like point out, like, I don't know, a small stick that was a funky color or a funky shape or like, Whoa, check out this worm or whatever. And then like within five minutes, the little, the little guy's walking along and he'd just be like, wow it's snowing leaves and like running down this trail that he'd already walked three times before and was so bored by it was suddenly like stoked with enthusiasm all over again yeah and as much as we're like oh yeah it's easy to say for like a two-year-old you try doing that with your friends next time you're out skiing (laughs) i promise you you'll you'll get like you know you can tap into that in a child so easily yeah um, enthusiasm becomes infectious right the same way that you know being a grump is infectious uh yeah it's just you you got to make those decisions make those decisions to have those connections and have that awareness of mm. 
of how you can influence the people around you. Yeah, and being present too is such a big thing, I think, with, with getting outdoors. And once you've done a few nights out on a hiking trail, you really start to just hone in on where you are and what you're doing and the things you've been worrying about or thinking about can sort of fade away into the into the background. I think being present's kind of a really big part of, of that, like and what you're saying with the kids, oh, it's snowing leaves or, or whatever. And also yeah. maintaining a sense of humour. I've mm-hmm. I've found that in the worst situations, like if I've uh, a bad example would be maybe I've missed miss, missed a flight or missed a bus and had to wait eight hours or uh, mm-hmm. you know situations just haven't gone your way or things you know this is hasn't worked out or this hasn't worked out. But just maintaining a sense of humor and knowing that that's life and that's how things go is is so important too. So having one of those infectious people on a hike or around you who is just an absolute laugh is I love it as well because having someone who's infectious and brings the group morale up is I don't know it can really be a a trip changer for sure yeah definitely yeah Yeah. um yeah it's it's super cool uh you were saying you were saying as well that you've done some guiding in New Zealand so how many countries have you guided in or or done (laughs) treks in uh, I have worked in, oh, I'd have to say them, Australia, New Zealand, the UK, Bali, and Canada. I've worked in outdoor education and guiding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then additional to that, I have like facilitated programs uh, in, gosh, uh, Peru. Peru a couple of times, yeah. China, Vietnam, Thailand, Indonesia, um wow yeah and then i did a teaching placement when i was in university in the maldives for a couple months as well mm-hmm. yeah dot all over the place but bc is now home yeah um it's pretty it's a pretty special place here for people who are interested in the outdoors and one of the things that i really really appreciate about um bc more than other countries or other areas that I've worked in um, is how easy it is to be a woman in the outdoors here and how easy it is to both fall into that, um, fall into the, uh, sorry, one moment. Um, <laughs> no, that's all right. I can actually, I can take over well, for a fall sec here. Into the kind of, you can, you can be, a woman in the outdoors is so much easier because you don't have to sort of grow up in the way you do in many other countries. Um, you you can totally like go send it in the outdoors and then come back home and put on your dress and makeup mm-hmm. and no one really thinks anything differently of you. It's almost um, expected actually in a town like Whistler or Squamish, I think. People, sorry, it's really... It's almost like expected. Like people expect that everyone knows how to work hard and play hard. And I love that about british columbia as well yeah and i think maybe it's a growing trend in the industry i mean it's been a couple it's been a few years now so since i've been back to australia or or new zealand or to the uk and um i think there is a trend towards women in the outdoors not having to fall into that um more macho stereotype so maybe it is changing worldwide but it's something that for me it really stood out immediately as soon as I moved here um and that wasn't I moved to I was on Vancouver Island for the first 
chunk of time that I was here and it was mm-hmm. uh, in my face immediately how how uh, strong the kind of feminine culture is in the outdoors, which is really, really cool. Definitely. Yeah, it's, yeah. Maybe I, I've become a bit desensitized to it um, living in, I guess, places like Whistler or whatever, but you, you see that everyone... I guess the hill is a great example. You see there's just as many girls as guys on the hill and there's just as many families as there are single people on the hill. It's it's such a cool thing to think that everyone is getting involved. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the level of respect is there no matter who you are or where you've come from. It's It's quite cool. Yeah. Do you feel like most of the friends you interact with are people that also obviously share a passion for the outdoors? Yeah, I would say definitely uh, since moving here through the jobs that I've chosen and the community that's kind of formed from around that. Um, yeah, I can't think of, gosh, that's kind of wild to think about. There's no one here who I really interact with who isn't um, passionate about the outdoors and or like working in the outdoors. I, I think everyone I know is in the industry in some capacity. Yeah. That's, I guess that's pretty normal though, right? If that's what you're into, then they're the people you tend to yeah. be around. Were you teaching um, outdoor education in the Maldives or was that just more uh, something to do with the university? Um, it was while I was in university. I wasn't teaching outdoor education. It was environmental studies uh, and then mm-hmm. a few other subjects as well, but it was um, on a remote um, island school. So I was just teaching like Maldives Maldivian, Devehi students, I guess. Um, Devehi is a language. Anyway, um, they so it was very much like fitting into what their normal classroom and school looked like. And there's not a huge amount of space or capacity for expeditions on a country that's made up of sand dunes. <laughs> yeah, oh, I didn't know if you were doing like diving or sailing or something. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be incredibly cool. Um, unfortunately, I think that's something that's probably a little bit out of reach for a lot of uh, those kind of communities. Uh, they kind of, I guess, and, you know, that's the thing about all these kind of adventure sports is they are, to a degree, a little bit inaccessible um, to people without money. Mm-hmm. They, there is a level you don't need to be incredibly wealthy from the countries that we are from but it's still not necessarily accessible to people who aren't from from western western or, or developed countries um yeah yeah or even just uh, people in our community who maybe just don't have you know the same the same level of access to these sports which is such a shame because like you said like we've discussed so much the ins and outs of why it can be incredible to spend time uh in nature on these kind of programs um but it is really out of reach for some people and so that's one of the things i hope that one day i can maybe step into more is being able to to make it more accessible um to such students and, and speak to the industries, like a lot of the clients that I've worked with are private schools and things like that and finding ways where, where you know, private schools can almost subsidize or, or help assist uh, low-income families in, in being able to have the same enriching experiences. Yeah. I guess on a, like a macro level, an example would be when kids are at school and they can't afford to go to school camp or something, but 
that kind of yeah exactly yeah that kind of zooms out into if they're not given the opportunity that's really interesting actually i've never really thought about um the yeah i just haven't really thought about the industry like that but i guess you're right yeah Hmm. yeah it's it's funny and it's definitely an industry that you work in because you're passionate about what you do it's never you know it's not something that you can that's necessarily sustainable for a long period of time and that's such a shame because the people that that do stay in it for for many years are people who are in it because they really love it and they're really great at their jobs uh and and then they almost begin to fall into a, a similar cycle where they can't um, necessarily afford other things. So it's mm. it's a funny it's a funny place to be because I think we're we're definitely an industry of of people who are very generous and very giving of ourselves, um, and we just want to do you know we just want to do good and bring good to to the world. It's a yeah, and it's incredible to be immersed in community and culture and people who are like that. Yeah, definitely. Do you find that in the countries you go to, uh, you mentioned China, Indonesia, Vietnam, Thailand, with the with the cultures that you cross, do you find that you are taking a little bit of that culture on board with you when you when you come back, or it's rubbing off on you in some ways? <laughs> for me personally, or for the groups? Both, yeah. Both. Yeah. Uh, personally. Yeah, completely. I think um, mm-hmm. it's there's so much to learn from every culture that you immerse in. There's so much to, you know, everyone does everything slightly differently and having the opportunity to travel and see so many different ways of living, you get to sort of pick and choose the aspects that you like of each and kind of conform um, form what your reality is, which is quite special. I think like one of the things I get really interested in uh, is religion and the different ways that people see spirituality in their everyday life and and seeing the overlaps and the things that bring us together more than than separate us uh, and it sounds super cliche but there is so much overlap between so many different cultures that we either can't see or we choose to ignore so that's yeah um, pretty crazy I do remember coming home after being in Bali so long and having a kind of reverse culture shock walking walking down my street um Mm. just where my parents used to live and how quiet the street was because in asia (laughs) you know or southeast asia particularly like everyone's on the street the entire community honking the the horns on the scooters across they're handing things between their motorbikes they're interacting well and then to come and like you know you have no idea whether the person that they're talking to is someone they know or someone they've just walked past and are asking directions or whatever they're very a lot louder and a lot more interactive and then you come back to australia or to canada and everyone's inside their houses yeah and they're probably looking it up on their phone where this place is or what this is and you know everyone's kind of a lot more separated uh and so it, it's yeah yeah those, those kind of things really stick with me and like they help me make those decisions around interacting with the lady who makes me coffee every morning or you know yeah um for the groups that i lead it's it's it can be really different and i think one of the things that i definitely speak towards with my groups is that uh 
I really like I'm not for volunteerism and, and going and like helping these communities or the people that we're immersing with right where we're going there to learn from them and experience their culture and come back more enriched ourselves uh, we don't need to be these kind of you know wealthy tourists who are coming in to help the you know to help them and I think once you start having those conversations especially with youth um it, it opens their eyes early because that took me a while to figure out on my own. I didn't have that experience when I was in, in school or anything. It wasn't until I started traveling and having that open and ethical mind while traveling being like, okay, what is the reality of what I'm getting involved with here? And is this, is my money going to the right place? Is my dollar that is my vote going in the right direction? Um, and yeah. And I think once you can show that to to your groups and to your your students they begin to be able to see the world in that way as well and begin to see what they can learn from rather than what they can give if that makes sense no I, i sort of know what you mean yeah and and going back to what you were saying before about um the the contrast between uh asia and the west and like that's a, a cultural shock and a lesson within itself I almost feel like, and and also what you're saying about uh, people having more things in common. Sometimes I, I f- almost feel like people are, are all the same, really, but we just get born somewhere different. So <laughs> do you know what I mean? So the people that are born there, they, okay, this is how we do life. This is how things are. This is how I'm going to roll with it. And then someone who's born on the other side of the world is just, okay, this is how things are. This is how life is. Blah, blah, blah. And that cycle sort of repeats itself, but it just... I don't know, everyone sort of is just a product of their environment, so to speak. And and when you strip down the, the all these things that we've sort of created in these geographic locations, whether it be the, the different religions or the different way we do things or the different architect- style of architecture we have, yeah, I think humans are all the same. We all like to, more or less, you know, we like to have a laugh, we like to have good intera- social interactions, we like to have our family, we like to you know, have a roof over our head and know where our food's going to, like, know we've got food on the table. And, yeah, I think there's definitely more in common and bringing kids into an experience like that is, is super powerful. Do you, uh, do, you, do you find it hard with getting visas for countries like this? Uh, like, sorry, like China or places in Asia and, and getting tour groups over there? Is, is that something that's quite difficult? <laughs> yeah, it can be. Um, yeah, you have to be pretty, um, careful because everyone obviously has to apply for the visas on their own, but it's, um, especially if we are spending any time in a community and sometimes the programs that I run will involve some level of community immersion. And if, um, if anyone writes on their visa that we're we're doing volunteer work, uh, it can become (laughs) definitely a visa, a visa issue. You're not, you can't declare work. You can't declare that kind of thing, but, Mm um, you know, and and that's just a difference again, in having the conversation and understanding what they are actually doing. If you're on a tour on, on what can be described as a tour and, um, and you're going to have a cultural experience, you're not working. Uh, and so that's the line you have to kind of dance um, yeah. to make sure, yeah, that you can all get in. <laughs> Do you find that people that come off these tours or experiences or trips, I guess you could call them, are more appreciative of the of the little things? 
for me that when I finish a big trip or even just a weekend away camping, having like a hot shower or being able to wash your hands properly or the little corny things that we take for granted in in everyday running water, yeah. Running, running being water able is to a big drink one. Water from your tap. Yeah. Um, Not have to yeah. wait half an hour while chlorine purifies it and. <laughs> yeah no doubt um yeah everything down from you know just being able to give your parents a hug um mm. or you know the connections Clean um, socks. just even yeah there's so many little <laughs> things that we do take for granted on a daily basis that uh, really stripping back to the basics and and going and spending time away from all those luxuries can really um make you appreciate what a luxury actually is, I guess. Yeah. Do you think you've got uh, a good couple years left in guiding or what? how do you think you'll approach it going forward after COVID? <laughs> uh, yeah. So my, I guess the trajectory I'm on at the moment is I'm still very much freelancing in the companies that I'm established mm-hmm. uh, with at the moment, but I uh, am looking at bringing more yoga into into my full-time work um and combining the yoga in with the expeditions and outdoor pursuits and and kind of making it more accessible to to adults i think these kind of growth programs um where you can sit down and have these debriefs and not kind of i guess seen as as cheesy or pointless uh but being able to facilitate these kind of conversations with adults i think is so important um, and it's not something that's that accessible at the moment, like maybe in some level of rehabilitation programs or, you know, certain, I like, I think the yoga teacher training industry is great for it. But, um, a lot of the time the, these programs really become inaccessible beyond high school. And I would love to be able to kind of be able to facilitate programs that involve growth and development for adults and mm. allow people the opportunity to continue like a re- um, like a retreat kind of thing where you go away you do yoga every morning you write in your journal your goals and then you go for a run and that kind of thing is that what you mean or yeah to some level maybe that's what um some people would be able to experience and find that connection but if you can do that and combine it with you know a week or two hike in the mountains I think that's even better. You really love the mountains, don't you? <laughs> no, it's good. I'm only joking. I and... think there is something um, really special about extended expedition work that you can't get from just one or two nights. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it brings, it almost becomes, well, it does become a meditation. Um, it, you don't have the opportunity to think about what's at home or what's going to happen later. Like you're, you're removed enough that your sense of presence and awareness in your body, in your people, in your surroundings is just, it's like putting on a whole new pair of glasses and seeing the world in a whole different way. And if you can give people the opportunity to to do that, um, you know, it's something that many people would probably, you know, never, if not maybe once or twice, be able to do in their lifetime, take that level of time off. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think, I feel incredibly privileged to be able to do it, you know, as often as I want, basically. Um, because, it, yeah, it's, I think it's revolutionary. I think it's the way that we're going to make the world a better place. That's really cool that you've found that 
that you that passion and that niche and you feel like yoga is the the next thing the next step in that stone next stone in the stepping process <laughs> for you going forward now yeah and i think that if you can recognize yoga as something beyond just stretching on a mat Mm-hmm. Um, if you can recognize yoga for its ability to be awareness in your body, then you don't even, you can go hiking for two weeks and not spend any time stretching and have done two weeks worth of yoga. Um, it's just, it's, it's a path in the right direction, I guess, once you understand the intricacies of it. And it's just the understanding of how we connect our, our body with our mind and with any and you're breathing great greater greater spirit greater goal um whatever divinity if if one that exists for you yeah yeah i think that's a a really interesting point as well people are tending to to break down those those barriers and sort of things that were maybe taboo or considered weird or uh i don't know interactions that we have with each other are definitely changing in that regard people are, are, are becoming a bit more open-minded to trying a lot of new things uh, yoga is a great example i think there was a very heavy sort of focus on yoga as being way too feminine for guys but now so many guys are doing yoga because they know it impacts so many other things in this in sport you know professional fighters uh talking about they do a lot of yoga professional ski skiers say that they like to do yoga because it really helps with their balance so i think once people have that open mind they can approach things a little differently and and they'll get a lot more out of it in that way totally well when yeah you... for sure and i think it's an interesting it's an interesting path because like myself as well i came to yoga um as an an ex-ballerina who was into it for the stretching and mm-hmm. and that kind of aspect of it and I think if that's the the path that people or the entryway that people need to kind of find it and then see all the other benefits around mental health, around community, around, uh, yeah, just personal awareness and, and growth. Taking, um, taking time for yourself. Cool. Yeah. Well, we're nearly at the one hour mark. We've, we've got like two minutes left. Is there anything you'd like to leave on? Oh man, <laughs> I feel like we barely <laughs> touched the surface, and an hour went by really fast. I know, I know. Um, it's I get to this stage every time. Yeah, I think it's uh, the the take home message is go spend extended times in the outdoors. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> is there <laughs> That's a, the take-home. is there any, no for sure? Is there anything you'd like me to leave in the in the comment section or any companies that you'd like to reach out to, or if there's anything. Any places you suggest someone can go to have an experience like this? Peru, China, India? <laughs> India. There's so many. Um, well, you can reach out to me. I'm at the Wild Yoga Collective. That's um, I'm on social media at the moment, website soon to come. Uh, so Woo-hoo. you can reach out to me about any um, things you're thinking about arranging or if you've got any, you need tips on where to go. But uh, yeah, Wild Yoga Collective is where it's at, but there's so many places to see and, and go um offer offering opportunities like this perfect all right well cheers that was epic i feel like yeah we've only just scratched the surface